The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. What is righteousness according to the Bible? Are there different kinds of righteousness? And what is sanctification? How about, are there different kinds of sanctification? We're going to talk about those biblical words today, and we thank you for joining us. This is Grace in Focus, the radio and podcast ministry of the Grace Evangelical Society. Find out more about the Grace Evangelical Society at our website, faithalone.org. And you will find our daily blogs at our website also. That's faithalone.org. Now with today's discussion, here are Bob Wilkin and Steve Elkins. Steve, I think we're going to talk about a couple more words, one of which is the word righteous or the related word righteousness. This is in Greek, dikaios for righteous or dikaiosune, or the verb form is dikaio to justify or to declare righteous. But let's talk about what is righteous in the scripture. I think it deals largely with justice, righteous in particular with rightness and right living, uprightness. Okay, so a righteous person could be a person who is righteous in their position before God, right? Yep. A justified person is a person who has been declared righteous. It doesn't mean they're actually righteous in their experience. It means they're righteous in their position. Like, what is it? Is it uh, he? Is Second Corinthians, is it 521? He made him who knew no sin. To be sin on our behalf that we might be the righteousness of God in him. So we have that standing of the righteousness of God in Christo, in Christ, so that when we're in Christ, we have a right standing with God. But there are other verses that talk about righteous or righteousness in an experiential sense. For example, in Luke 1, talking about Elizabeth and Zacharias, the uh, parents of John the Baptist, I think it's Luke 1, 6, they're called righteous because they're blameless according to the law. And so that righteousness is clearly an experiential righteousness. I think we could say it's a relative righteousness, too, in that, doesn't Romans say, uh, Romans 3, quoting the Psalms, there's none righteous, no, not one, in and of ourselves. But obviously there, and in the context of Romans, we're talking about a, a right standing with God that would make us justified and saved. And there are even people in a relative sense that are righteous before God because they're called that way. I mean, uh, you know, Elizabeth and Zacharias. It seems to me in the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, the righteous person was not equivalent to a born again person or a believer. The righteous person is one who was living righteously. Yeah, uprightly. Yeah. The wicked could be a believer or an unbeliever, But it was talking about those who were not living righteously. A few years ago, when I was a kid, if one was being straight, they're walking the straight and narrow, we would say. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. This would be a person who's living in a manner that is pleasing to God. Not Mm -hmm. perfect. Mm -hmm. Like you said, it's relative. Mm -hmm. But righteous has the idea, like you say, of right or right standing or right in position. Right. Okay, well, that's very helpful. Anything else on that before well, we go well, on to the I, next I, well, one? I would, I would like us to talk more about positional righteousness. I think it's so right. very important. Here's something controversial. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll not enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, that is very controversial. There are multiple ways to understand that. 
most people from a lordship salvation standpoint would say you've got to be really good to get into the kingdom, right? Yeah. But that's not the way we would take it. How would we normally no, take it? I that? would take it. Sometimes people would say, oh, Steve, you're being pre-Pauline. You're reading Paul's theology back into Jesus' theology. And I'd say, what's wrong with that? <laughs> because Jesus gave Paul the gospel, Galatians 1. It's very clear Paul got his gospel not from man, but from Jesus himself. And he was in Arabia for three years, and during that time, evidently, Jesus discipled him. Exactly. So Paul's great emphasis on justification didn't happen in a vacuum or as he matured in the faith. This is the message he got from Jesus at the very beginning, day one. And so when Jesus is saying to disciples in the Sermon on the Mount, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, and as Hodges pointed out at this point in Jesus' ministry, the scribes and Pharisees were not so unfavorable to Jesus. That's later. Yeah. And so everybody would have been shocked by such a statement because they kept the law meticulously, or so people thought, tithing their mint and dill and cumin and so forth. Jesus says, no, your righteousness has to surpass that. This is pre-evangelism, it seems to me, because who can be that righteous? That begs the question, doesn't it? That's a good point. I've heard two other interpretations of this passage, Matthew 5.20, which are possible. One is it could refer to people in the kingdom. In other words, your righteousness in the kingdom will exceed that of the scribes and the Very Pharisees. Good. And another view I heard was advocated by a, a student from Rocky Mountain Bible College and Seminary, and he argued that this was referring to the righteousness of the nation of Israel collectively. And if it didn't exceed the scribes and the Pharisees, then the kingdom would not come for Israel. And of course, it didn't in the first century. And so that's another view but it seems to me this ties in with Matthew seven twenty one to 23, which is another entering the kingdom section. Which ties into John 3, because that's the it only does. way you're going to enter the kingdom is by being born again. You're born again, John three sixteen by believing in Jesus. So therefore, that would suggest that Matthew five twenty is the way you've described. That's that what I would think. It's pre-evangelism. Well, your second point or possibility has weight. I don't think the first one does, because right. he's saying enter the kingdom. Right. Unless we're talking about being in the kingdom and some people have entrance to it and some don't. But otherwise, we're not talking about a kingdom day righteousness. We're talking about righteousness here and now. And it's got to surpass out of the scribes and Pharisees if we're going to enter the kingdom. So in this view, this is an imputed righteousness. No like doubt about 2 it. Corinthians 5.21. Yes. We are the righteousness of God in him. And a big message all through Romans, too, about imputed righteousness. Just a quick word here about our online seminary. It begins again in February for the spring semester. Classes are free if you maintain a 3.0 GPA. We offer an unaccredited MDiv degree. And this spring you'll find classes on Bibliology and Ecclesiology with Bob Wilkin, Second Semester of New Testament Greek, New Testament Survey, Old Testament Survey, Soteriology, and Logos Bible Software. To register and for more details, go to gesseminary.org. Now let's return to our topic of the day. And say a quick word again about pre-evangelism. You use that expression. What does pre-evangelism mean? Well, he's not giving the gospel there. He doesn't evidently, according to what Matthew just gave to us, he doesn't give us the whole message of justification in the next verse. Not There's at no all. John 3.16 here. Not there. No, he's whetting their appetite for it. Their reflexive response should be, well, how could I be that righteous? Who could ever be that righteous? And of course, it's only through the righteousness imputed by faith. And that was a big stumbling stone for the Jews, as you know, at the end of Romans 9, 
Paul says, What shall we say then that the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith? But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, or to be righteous through the law, has not attained the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith, but as it were, by the works of the law. And of course, by the deeds of the law shall no one be justified, dikaio, or have righteousness imputed to them. It's not going to happen that way. That's great. Only That's through great. faith. Okay, super. And uh, we've got one more word, and I think we've got enough time for it. It's the word sanctification or the verb to sanctify. Well, let's talk about the root sense of sanctification or to sanctify, and then we can give some specific examples. But what's the basic sense of hagiazo and hagiosmos and all and hagios. Hagios, yeah. yeah. It essentially means holiness. Of course, what's holiness mean? It means to be set apart, like there were holy utensils or Catholics have holy water, but there were holy things in the Old Testament that are set apart unto God. They're special. And well, in fact, the whole nation was to be holy. It sure You was. shall be holy as I am holy. That included their diet. There's moral, civil, ceremonial. Right. And in the New Testament, there are at least three types of sanctification. Positional sanctification that we get the moment we believe okay, in Jesus. Okay, positional we might call past sanctification. We could call it that. Practical sanctification, which is our everyday walk. Which we might call present sanctification. And then future. Future sanctification, which is also called glorification. That's right. All of these are a setting apart. In Hebrews 10, after having talked about how the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sins, the sacrifices under the law were just given to point us to the once and for all sacrifice that could. The fact that they're offered year after year proves that they never had efficacy, ability right. to take away sins. But they point to the one sacrifice. And so in Hebrews 10, 10 and 14, it says, by that will... We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. We have been sanctified. It's already done, past tense. Yes. By the time you believed, you've already been sanctified. I like 14 even And then better. verse 14 says, For by one offering, Christ's offering, he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. Yeah. I really like this. Hebrews 10, sanctification for the author of Hebrews is more or less equivalent to justification in Paul. And yet Hebrews, just two chapters later in chapter 12, he says, pursue peace with all men and holiness. He could have used the word sanctification, same word. Right. And sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. He's talking about what we call practical or what do you call it? Experiential. Experiential sanctification here and now. And by the way, that's 1214, right? Hebrews 1214. Right. And we have some articles on that at faithalone.org. But one view, which I think is the best one, is when he says, pursue holiness without which no one will see the Lord. That's talking about seeing the Lord in our local assemblies. When we are living righteously, the people around us get a glimpse of the Lord. Because even though it's a relative righteousness... It is a measure of the fact that we're not only in the image of God, but now we're living it out. We're shining as lights in the Amen. world. Right? And on a practical level, I'm looking at you face to face right now, but I'm not going to see Jesus in you unless you're living like Jesus. Exactly. Since holiness has in its root idea, the idea of being separated and set apart for something special. Right. I wish that we all had the attitude that we want to be so winsome and attractive for Christ that people would just die to have what we have. One of my desires, and I'm sure yours as well, is I long and groan for the glorified body when I'll no longer sin, 
I'll no longer have an inclination for sin, and I'll be manifesting the righteousness of God all the time. I don't achieve that now, but that's my aim. And Paul says, not that I've arrived, but I press on toward the upward call of the prize in Christ Jesus. So, yeah, I'm not perfect, but it's the old, please be patient, God is not finished with me yet. If we're walking in the light of God's word, we become more like Christ. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit more. We may not see it from day to day or from week to week, but from decade to decade, you can sure see it. That's right. Or even from year to year, you can often see it. Bear Bryant used to tell his players, can you give me just 1% more today? Yeah. Wouldn't that be neat if we could grow in Christ? Just That would be a dream, but 1% more every day. Amen. Well, thank you, Steve. This is the end of our series on key soteriological words. I hope you've enjoyed it. And in the meantime, keep keep grace grace in focus. focus. We invite you to check out our Monday, Wednesday, and Friday five-minute YouTube videos at YouTube Grace Evangelical Society. You will love the content and learn a lot. Maybe you've got a question or comment or feedback. If so, please send us a message. Here's our email address. It's radio at faithalone.org. That's radio at faithalone.org. Please make sure your question is as succinct and clear as possible. That would be a great big help. On the next episode, please come back and join us answering the question, Can we lose rewards in heaven? Until then, let's keep grace in focus. The preceding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.